Welcome to the Business of Psychology podcast, the show that helps you to reach more people, help more people, and build the life you want to live by doing more than therapy. Today I want to talk to you about something which gets in the way of nearly every psychologist or therapist turned entrepreneur that I know. And that is this feeling that our self-esteem and our worth as people are wedded to the outcomes that we achieve in our business, our project, or whatever community intervention we're trying to set up. This is something that I struggle with all the time and that I know is a really big issue for many of you listening to this podcast and it stops us from creating some of the amazing things that we have the vision to get out into the world but often just kind of don't make happen. So I recently launched a quiz which um, many of you hopefully have have taken. If not, I'm going to put the link to it in the show notes. And that quiz was a way of me getting to know you guys, getting to know other psychologists and therapists and checking that the things that I think are keeping you stuck are the same things that you think are keeping you stuck. Because there's nothing worse than thinking, oh, I know what podcast episodes will help people. Um, and then spending loads of time creating them and then creating something that kind of misses the mark that isn't exactly what you need. And the thing that came out from that quiz is that most people are in this place of feeling like they don't know how to move forward. Often we know what we need to do. We just can't do it because we get paralysed by fear. So if that's you and you felt that kind of what if I fail paralysis, then this episode today is for you. So often that feeling of what if I fail comes up when we're doing something which we haven't done before that is way outside our comfort zone. Maybe it's a new area of expertise for us or maybe it's a new way of delivering our expertise that we've never tried before. It's something that we didn't have a lecture on during our training. So lots of people listening to this, that might be something like a book, a podcast, an online course or a big event. And I actually feel like this every time I think about recording or writing a podcast episode. So what are we really afraid of? I use a lot of ACT therapy in my work. And the way I think about this is that when we're letting our fear about failure get in the way of us doing stuff that matters to us, it's because we've become fused with the outcome of our venture. And by that, I mean we've started to act as though a few things are true. One, that our thoughts are reality. This is our normal state where, we're, where we react to our thoughts rather than examining them. Secondly, that we can predict the future and we allow our minds to treat stuff like the worst case scenario that it's very good at generating for us as reality. Thirdly, that whether or not this project succeeds is entirely down to us. And we're going to talk a lot more about that one. And finally, that success or failure of this project means something about us as people. People who are generally successful in life often get away with this style of thinking for a very long time. In fact, it could even be helpful as it encourages you to work really, really hard. So it might have worked for you in the past, um, maybe during your academic studies or in some jobs, this can actually be encouraged. The problem is working hard because you're terrified of failure and because you believe you carry all the responsibility for success limits you in two big ways. 
Firstly, because you're scared, your body and your mind will shut down the faculties that you need to do your best work as your survival system takes over. So your ability to make social connections with people, pretty important for our work, creative problem solving, resolving conflict, and of course the all-important resting and digesting become pretty much impossible when you're terrified of failure. Secondly, if you don't get instant success, and most people don't, you'll think it's because you are a failure. And the only logical action to take if you think you are a failure is to give up and never try again. And that's the most harmful outcome to your ability to make a big impact on the mental health landscape. Because the fact is, you and your offer are only a really small part of whether your offer works, whether that's a book, an online course, anything that people have to part with money for, there's a huge amount that goes on that has nothing to do with you. And all of those factors have to come together to make your project a success. So let's think about a few of those factors now. Your offer has to be what someone else needs at that exact moment. They need to understand how your offer helps them. They need to be able to afford it. They need to remember to click on the button while the cart is open. They need to have 15 minutes of alone time to make the purchase or booking. I know there's loads of things that I have seriously wanted and just never had the time to actually complete the purchase. They need to be able to prioritise the issue. It has to be something which they believe in their heart they deserve help with. And there may be a whole host of societal, family, all kinds of reasons why they find it difficult to prioritise this issue. They also need to believe that change is possible. You know, we've all done the cycle of change. There's a lot of time people spend wanting to change, but not actually thinking that they've got the capability to do it. And at that, until they reach that point in the change cycle where they think, yes, I want to do this and I can, they're not going to take you up on your offer. And they need to be willing to invest in themselves. And again, there are a huge number of psychological, societal and family reasons why people might find it difficult to invest in themselves. And there is nothing that you can do about any of them. So ask yourself, out of that list that I've just run through, and there will be many, many more, how many of those things can you actually control? How many can you even influence? Now, there are things that you can do that can help somebody make the decision to invest in your book or your course or your community intervention or therapy package that you know will really help them. For example, if you want them to see that positive change is possible, then testimonials in the form of social media posts or in emails, um, examples of amazing change that you've seen in others, that can be really transformative in giving people that glimmer of, of hope. Obviously, helping people to understand your offer through clear communication, maybe paying for the help of a copywriter or skilling yourself up in that area, that's all going to really, really help. You can also do a lot of research about what people need and what they can afford. And the episode on um, using social media as a positive community intervention that I recorded talks a lot about how by 
getting into a community, either forming one or just getting involved in somebody else's social media community, you can have those conversations that are more likely to make sure that your offer is what people are needing at that moment. But you cannot influence whether somebody can actually afford what you're offering or whether they're able to prioritise themselves. You can't. There's just so many reasons that this might not be the right time or the right offer for that person. And you can't read minds. So you're going to need to continually launch stuff, receive feedback and adjust before you can create something that people both need, can afford and are willing to invest in. There's information that you don't have right now and there are lessons that you haven't learned yet. And of course, there's loads that you can learn that will increase your chances of success. You know, somebody like Russ Harris, one of my personal heroes, it's quite likely that when he brings something out now, it's going to hit the mark because he's gotten to know his audience and the people that he serves really, really well. But, I mean, I don't know this for sure, but I'm sure if we went back in the archives to the first thing that he ever put out there, it probably wasn't perfect. There are probably lots of ways that it didn't meet his goals. Maybe he didn't sell as many as he needed to. Maybe he didn't reach as many people, whatever his goals were. But he's spent a very long time refining the stuff that he puts out there to make it more likely that it's going to be what his people need at the time that they need it. So given that you can't influence so much of whether your project is a success, does it make sense for your self-worth to hinge on it? If, like me, you're a mental health professional who's also a parent, chances are you go really far out of your way to name behaviour that you don't like in your kids rather than shaming them by labelling them as naughty or defective in, in some way. And the thing is, we're not very good at applying that to ourselves. We're fueling our own inner critics all the time, even as we strive to help other people deal with theirs. How do we do something different then? Well, there are a few techniques that are really, really helpful for dealing with this fusion with the outcome of our project. And you could approach it from a couple of different angles. There are wonderful meditations and I fully recommend um, Russ Harris's meditations from Act Made Simple. They're probably my favourite ones, are the ones I use with clients most of the time. And he's made them free at the moment as we're going through the COVID-19 crisis. So I will put the link to that in the show notes so that you can get those. Um, if you fancy doing a bit of meditation, I really recommend it. But... As a business owner, entrepreneur, the method that I have found most helpful when it comes to business-related fusion is journaling. And this is something I was really sceptical about um, when I first heard about it in the context of limiting beliefs and the business world. But actually, for this particular issue where you just start to feel like your life depends on the success or not of a project that you're launching, it can be really, really helpful. So I get out my journal and I allow myself to write whatever I'm thinking. If I'm thinking something like, it would be humiliating if I launched the membership, for example, and nobody's interested. 
then I will write that down. I will take a long, hard look at it. And I'll work out whether it's serving me, whether it's inspiring me to work harder and do more, or whether it's paralyzing me. And if I get the feeling that it's paralyzing me and making it less likely that I'm going to take values-led action, then I make effort to let it pass me by. I can't get rid of it. It's always going to be there. I've got an inner critic. I've got an inner perfectionist. I've got an extremely ambitious part of me um, that doesn't really want to accept anything other than being the best at stuff. Those are all parts of me that I have to live with. But I can decide how much attention I'm going to give those thoughts. So I allow them to be there and I recognize them by writing them in my journal. But once they're there in the journal, if they then start plaguing me during the day, I will then get my journal out and look at them again. And that's my way of doing what Russ Harris calls naming the story. It's like I've identified it. I've given it a label. I know what it is. I just kind of thank my mind for it and for me it really helps to have the physical act of opening the journal looking at it seeing that I've written it down and closing that book again so that I can move on and refocus on the values driven action that I want to take that day so I really recommend you try that if you haven't had a go at journaling or maybe you've used it in a different way that's a way of using it that I think really helps with defusing or stepping back a bit from these paralyzing thoughts that can really get in our way. And I did learn this the hard way. So I launched an online course a couple of years ago that completely flopped. And I was totally devastated because it felt like it meant something about me as a professional, uh, about my ability to connect with the people I was desperate to connect with. But there were lessons that I couldn't and hadn't learned at that point in my journey. I hadn't learned, for example, that to launch an online course, you need a really, really big audience. Um, I'm going to get uh, an audience building expert in to do a masterclass with us because until I came across her uh, and her podcast in particular, her name's Janet, Janet Murray, then I didn't realize that you're likely to convert online um, sales at a rate of about 1%. So that means for every 100 people that know about your course, 1% of those are likely to buy it. And I had a tiny, tiny audience at the time. So I basically didn't stand a chance. I also hadn't realized that it was a course for um, mental health in pregnancy. And actually, mental health in pregnancy is still a really taboo subject people really struggle to talk about it when it's happening in the present tense. You will get people coming out and talking about it when they're over it and it's passed and they've had their baby. But you don't get many people owning up to it while they're going through it. And that was something that I was a bit blind to because I really struggled with my mental health in my pregnancy and I was fine talking about it. But that's because I am around mental health professionals all the time. And the taboo is is different for us. So we don't always know, we don't always have that personal insight into where the, the rest of the community are at with talking about something. So because of that, because it was still a taboo, I just believe that people weren't ready to invest money in that yet. It wasn't particularly high priced, but in order to invest your money in it, you have to believe that it's a problem that is valid 
and is worth solving. And sadly, I think a lot of women um, don't prioritise their mental health in pregnancy enough to spend any money on it. And that was a lesson that really, really stung. Um, But I only got that because it flopped. So I sought the feedback. I asked people, why didn't you buy this? And that's what they told me. So that was a lesson I couldn't have learned if I hadn't had the failure. So I actually really, really value that failure. I also really value that failure because I had to learn how to refocus myself on values-driven action in spite of being in emotional pain. And that is a really valuable skill. And that's why I decided to record this podcast for you today. Even though recording this makes me feel really uncomfortable, um, I decided to do it because if you haven't taken that plunge yet, your fear of that emotional pain of what it would be like if it flopped, that is what is stopping you from doing something that could help loads of people. And maybe it won't help them this time round. But if you fail five times and time number six hits the mark and helps loads of people, then it will have been worth it. And there are ways of doing it which have a lot less financial and emotional and work uh, burden risk than the way that I did it the first time. And I'm going to be sharing all of those with you in the community and in this podcast because I don't want you all to have to go through exactly what I've been through. Um, But I guess what I'm saying is don't fear the failure so much because, yes, it's difficult and you will need these defusion skills. You will need to practice compassion for yourself, allowing difficult feelings. Absolutely. But you do come out of it stronger and better. And eventually you're going to create the thing which helps people that can't see you in the therapy room. And that is what it's all about. That's the values that drive all of us um, that are listening to this podcast. So if fusing with the outcome is holding you back, don't stay quiet about it. Talk about it. Come into the Do More Than Therapy Facebook group or send me a DM. And if you found this episode helpful, please, please, please rate, review and subscribe because it's going to help a lot more people to find the podcast. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Business of Psychology podcast. If you share my passion for doing more than therapy, then make sure you come over and join my free Do More Than Therapy Facebook community, where you can work on getting your big ideas off the ground with like-minded psychologists and therapists. I'd also love it if you could leave this show a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It will help more of the people who need it to find it. See you next week for more tips and inspirational stories to help you do more than therapy.